This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort. We can be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. The Rockets lose number 13 in a row to none other than number 13 himself, James Harden, in his return to Houston. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter, at JT Gatlin, the show, at Locked on Rockets, and of course, at Apollo HOU. I'm going to get into this game, uh, the Nets-Rockets game, the 132-114 loss, the 13th loss in a row. I'm going to talk about this game, and I'm going to talk about just the feelings and the emotions surrounding James Harden's return, absolutely. But I've got a couple of quick-hitting things to touch base on at the top because there is a lot swirling around uh, in Rockets land right now, but I'm going to save some of these because we had to reshuffle our shows for the week. So, because I am a madman and have way too many things going on at all times, uh, and I got my schedules mixed up. So, we will be having Anthony Duckett on for our Friday episode, and Anthony and I are going to tackle some of the more trade-oriented discussions because those tend to be a lot better when we have kind of a nice back and forth uh, when I have a guest on to kind of help me break down, you know, throw in some ideas that are not of my own accord, that kind of thing. So, but uh, but to... I allude to that because there are some strong reports that apparently Eric Gordon uh, is fetching some interest from uh, teams who are looking to you know potentially push themselves over the hump. Uh, we have the P.J. Tucker news that Adrian Wojnarowski mentioned, the teams, the Nets, the Lakers, uh, the Miami Heat as some available options, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks as well. Uh, so we're going to be hyper-trade-focused uh, with Anthony in Friday's episode. But in this one, the other couple areas that I want to address here in the outset before we dive further into the game itself against the Nets in segments two and three, and then you know it, it's a loss, which means we get more Tankathon Sims in segment three. Um, but just right out of the gate, um, I, I want to address the fact that David Nwaba, who sat out the last game against the Cavaliers due to the uh, right wrist injury, is actually having surgery on that wrist and is going to be out for about six weeks, which is such a blow to this Rockets team. And look, even though I've joined the dark side and am completely on board with the tanking aspect of this season, you know, hashtag collapse for Cade, whatever, you know, fun tag you want to put on it, I also don't exactly like want to see this team struggle and that's where I'm still like struggling internally and there was still like this part of me that 
if the Rockets got completely healthy over the All-Star break, they bring Christian Wood back and you know they make a move or two at the deadline and they make a late push for the playoffs, I'm not going to be like upset. That's the problem is I'm not going to be mad if they don't bottom out. I just think that bottoming out is right now the path of least resistance for this team and the path that makes the most sense. If they suddenly start winning games again and they go on this, you know, crazy tear and they win, you know, 8 plus, 10 plus, 12 plus or something like that because they have everybody healthy and the team actually has the talent to overcome other other teams, I'm all for it. I'm here for the dubs if it happens. But what I'm not here for is like winning a few, like two or three games occasionally and then going on these five or six game skids and then finishing somewhere around like the five or six mark instead of like bottom three in the league. So that's kind of where I'm at is I don't like the middle ground. I want them to fully lean into one side or the other. Um, but missing David Nwaba for six weeks is just brutal. He brings so much energy. He has been electric off the bench for the Rockets. Um, he's really a can-do-everything kind of guy. Um, he can slash. He can drive. He can handle the ball in transition. He's great at finishing around the rim. His defense is incredible. Uh, and the really, again, the only element of his game that has shown, you know, that has been inconsistent uh, is of course his three point shot uh, because otherwise this you know David Nwaba would be a, a 15 20 million dollar a year player if he had a consistent three point shot but hopefully wishing him you know a speedy recovery hopefully you know it, it's uh, nothing too major hopefully the surgery goes well all of that um, because David Nwaba has been one of the few bright spots uh, in a Rockets jersey this season. Now, the other bit of news that we have past that before I dive into the actual game is the fact that uh, for the Rising Stars Challenge uh, in All-Star Weekend, so where they pit uh, the two teams of young players against each other, roughly, you know, usually rookies, sophomores, that level of player, um, Jay Sean Tate was absolutely snubbed. And I, I say that because Jay Sean Tate is has continually impressed this entire season. And it's not just Rockets fans that he's impressing. It's, you know, there are fans of the game across the NBA. I consistently see uh, Nikias Duncan talking about Jay Sean Tate, uh, Steve Jones Jr. talking about Jay Sean Tate on Twitter. Like, there's other guys who are taking or who are aware of what he brings to the basketball team, both defensively, offensively, his skill set, all of this. And for him to not even receive the nod to join the Rising Stars Challenge uh, is pretty frustrating, pretty annoying. Um, look, maybe he'll get the nod next year as a sophomore, sure, but, you know, it, it kind of feels like almost, hey, the Rockets are pretty down bad, right? Like, throw them a bone a little bit. Like, let Jay Sean Tate into the game, not only because he absolutely deserves it, but because, like, hey, it's been a pretty rough season for the Rockets. Give the fans something to be excited for, something to cheer for. Um, I don't even have the rosters pulled up right now. Like LaMelo made it in, Tyrese Halliburton made it in, uh, Wiseman made it in, uh, and I'm, I'm pointing out the, the rookies of this season that made it in. Zion is on there. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where I genuinely, I'm sure if I had the list of names in front of me, I could make an argument for Jay Sean Tate over at least one or two of those players, um, given how well he's performed, the fact that he is still in the top 10 uh, in every statistical category among all rookies in you know total points scored, assists, rebounds, steals, blocks, all of that. Uh, and that's just a testament to how good Tate has been this season. Now, there's another guy that's been pretty 
damn good this season, who's had a hell of a bounce back. Uh, and that's none other than John Wall, who is absolutely our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. John Wall is our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week because he goes out there on a nightly basis, despite the losing streak, and plays with such a passion and enjoyment for the game of basketball. It makes these losses bearable. Seeing him out there, you know, a guy who had the game deprived of him, you know, taken away from him for the better part of two years while he was rehabbing from injury. It's great to see him out there enjoying himself because at the end of the day, enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. The same way that you could enjoy a Mikola Bolcher with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Look, John Wall played in his first set of back-to-backs this season since 2018. He just posted back-to-back season highs of 32 and then subsequently 36 points and even though the Rockets are on a skid John Wall is absolutely out there enjoying himself he's happy to be playing the game of basketball and at the end of the day that is what is most important are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy and that's why John Wall is our Michelob Ultra player of the week Quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. Look, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. And speaking of full swing, MLB is right around the corner. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. So head over to the website and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Did you know that you can get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our new Locked on Today podcast? Peter Bukowski hosts Locked on Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Speaking of local experts, I was just on Locked on Today to talk about the Rockets Nets game. So if you haven't checked out Locked on Today, please go check it out. Hit that subscribe button. Peter does a phenomenal job with that show you got to go check it out. And also, on the flip side of that, if you haven't checked it out yet, go check out Locked on Nets. You know, Adam uh, Adam and Doug do a phenomenal job holding down that show. We were just talking with Roosh Williams about how Nets Twitter doesn't exactly have, you know, the presence that Rockets Twitter does. It's not exactly the same, uh, you know, boisterous community that Rockets Twitter is, Uh, but Adam and Doug do an absolutely great job covering the Nets, holding it down over there. Uh, Go give Locked on Nets a listen. I was also on Locked on Nets to talk about the uh, Rockets-Nets game and James Harden's return to Houston, so go check out that episode, and hopefully you'll be willing to check out future episodes if you're still interested in following James Harden's career now that he is not a Houston Rocket. But back to this game at hand, Rockets. Rockets falling 132-114 to the Brooklyn Nets. John Wall had a monster game. That's why he's our Michelob player, player of the week. Like, he was electric. Um, 36 points, uh, 5 of 12 from behind the arc, 7 of 11 at the free throw line. Wish that would be a little bit better. Uh, dished out 5 assists, snagged a couple rebounds, had a block. Uh, and he he wanted to win this game. Like, you could tell that he was doing whatever he could to put the team on his back to try and win this game, but ultimately, 
Wall just, you know, he misses too many gimmies right at the rim. Um, he takes too many contested mid-range jumpers to ultimately be, you know, an uber-efficient player, which is why it's hard to have him as the number one option on the team in the absence of Christian Wood. Just 12 of 30 shooting on the evening. Um, really rough around the edges. I haven't even done the math on that. What is that? Like, is that... Like, it's less than 40% for sure, right? Let's do 12 divided by 30. Math is hard. Oh, it's right at 40%. So 40% shooting is just not great. Even if, even, you know, shooting 5 of 12 from behind the arc, that's great. But just the overall shooting inside the paint, not great for him. Victor Oladipo dropped in 33 points, snagged 7 rebounds, had 5 assists, had 2 steals, had 2 blocks, shot 10 of 13 from the charity stripe, 5 of 11 from behind the arc. But then you know what? 9 of 25 overall shooting. It's just so painful. Like with, with Wall and Oladipo, they're just, when they start getting these volume shots off, when they're, you know, when they're hovering around 20, 25, 30 attempts, their efficiency just plummets. You know, it's so much nicer to have those guys be the tertiary scoring options behind Christian Wood, obviously, and Eric Gordon, who has been very consistent this season, uh, especially inside the arc. He's scoring, you know, at an elite rate at the rim. And then having Waller Oladipo being the guys who can kind of step up to be that third guy after those two. But not having Eric Gordon in this game, not having Daniel House Jr. in this game, not having David Nwaba in this game, still no Christian Woods, no cheerleader Kuruks in this game on the bench cheering on cheering on his boys. Rockets only had eight available players, and they did put up a uh, a valiant effort, I will say, against the Nets because at multiple points in this game, the Rockets were down, you know, 20 plus and carved their way back into it, uh, really fighting to try and you know end this losing streak. Because again, the tanksters are excited about the losing streak. The players damn sure aren't. They do not want to continue losing. Steven Silas doesn't want to continue losing. And there's still a part of me that doesn't want to see them continue losing, despite how badly I would love to see Cade Cunningham in a Rockets jersey. That would be incredible. Yes, or Mobley, or Suggs, right? Give me a top pick. But... The losing sucks, and I sympathize with the players who want the losing streak to be over, who want to get back to winning basketball games. That's the whole point of going out there, is to win games. And if you're not doing that, it can be really hard to keep your head above water, to keep you know, to keep yourself in a good headspace because of the negative energy that can, can be flowing around these losses. Um, so in, in addition to Wall and Oladipo, who had you know a pair of, stellar games, albeit largely inefficient games. Um, hopefully maybe there's some teams out there looking at Victor Oladipo thinking, hey, you know, if we could get him as a third option, he'd be pretty damn good. Um, they also combined for 69 points, which I can't even take enjoyment in, which is just atrocious. Uh, Jay Sean Tate pouring in 12 points on 5 of 10 shooting, had 10 rebounds, six of which were offensive rebounds. And again, I already advocated for Jay Sean Tate to, you know, the fact that he was snubbed from the Rising Stars Challenge. But, like, I was blown away throughout the points in this game, specifically on his sixth offensive rebound. He just manhandled Landry Shamit. Like, the ball was firmly in Landry Shamit's hands. And, like, of, like, Jay Sean Tate with his arms just, like, created a vice grip and just clamped down on the ball and 
tore it away from Landry Shamit. And I just, in that moment, I felt so bad for Landry Shamit because that was a man-sized offensive rebound by Jay Shante, and he just bullied the ever-living hell out of Shamit to take that ball away from him. And that's the type of player Jay Shantate is. And by extension, that's also the type of player that David Nwaba is. And having those two guys for a full 48 minutes, one of them at least at all times on the floor, and sometimes even two of them on the floor at the same time, to be those like those pests, those those you know just an absolute menace on the offensive boards. It's it's gonna suck not having David Nwaba for the next six weeks. Um, but Jay Sean Tate's gonna hold that fort down, and, and he does again such a great job. I've highlighted it before. Where if you're watching the Rockets play, pay attention to Jay Sean Tate offensively. Like as soon as the shot goes up. Locate Jay Sean Tate and watch how hard he fights every possession to try and slip in from the baseline to get good, you know, inside box out positioning for an offensive board, or how he'll sneak up behind a, another player right as they grab the rebound and try and see if he can, you know, lock arms with them to force a jump ball or to rip the ball away from him because he's ridiculously strong. Um, it's really exciting. It's like a little, you know, game within the game, uh, watching him try and, you know, secure as many offensive rebounds as possible. And specifically, that one, that, that that number six offensive rebound for this one is what directly led into a Ben McLemore three that I want to say cut it back to single digits or like maybe it was like cut it back to like a 10 point deficit or something to that effect. Uh, and that three for Ben McLemore doesn't happen without the hustle and the effort and the drive from Jay Sean Tate. So I cannot speak highly enough about him. Would have liked to see him hit at least one of his threes in this game. He was 0 of 2 from behind the arc. Um, but you live with that for everything else that he provides you. The defense, the hustle, the tenacity, all of that. Uh, another guy that in this game I was actually pretty impressed with uh, was Justin Patton. Um, overall, really, really well-rounded game for Patton. Had 10 points, shot 4 of 7 from the floor, 2 of 4 from behind the arc. Uh, pulled down six rebounds, had four assists, four steals, and one block. Um, and some of these steals, you know, it, it was kind of, it wasn't all Patton. Um, but his, you know, his height, his length, uh, his ability to kind of clog up passing lanes and really, you know, provide an actual big presence in the paint um, is so welcome in the absence of Christian Wood. And he really, I feel like, has done a pretty stellar job stepping into some pretty big shoes uh, in the absence of Christian Wood, and I really look forward to seeing him down the line as just a backup where he can just get you know his 10, maybe 15 minutes a night, depending on if they want to play small or what. Um, but I look forward to seeing how he grows and progresses with this team because I think there's a possibility there for him to carve out a niche as a, as a really solid backup to Christian Wood because, again, he fulfills th not three. He fulfills two of the three things that Christian Wood already gives you. Christian Wood gives you a rim-running big, he gives you a five-out big, and he gives you somebody who can go off the dribble when players come out, you know, rush out to contest his shot. That's the three elements of Christian Wood's offensive game, in addition to, yeah, he can post up, and he's got an inside game, and, you know, he, he's a very versatile offensive player, but I'm boiling it down to those three things, is, you know, off the bounce, spot-up shooting, or pick-and-pop, and then pick-and-roll. Justin Patton at least gives you the pick-and-pop and the pick-and-roll. It's, you know, yet to be seen if he can conceivably take the ball off the dribble the same way that Christian Wood does. I'm not even asking him to do that, but just the sheer fact that he can rim run uh, effectively is significantly better than DeMarcus Cousins, that's for damn sure. That is a welcome sight and has been a huge 
uh, benefit to this Rockets team. And their offense, when Patton is on the floor, has looked a lot better because he gives them that similar level of versatility that Christian Wood gives him, where maybe, uh, you know, one or two plays, they're, you know, running traditional pick and roll and he's rolling hard to the rim. A couple other plays, he's spotting up on the three-point line as just an extra, you know, shooter. A couple other plays, he's running pick and pop. It's all situational and it depends on what looks the defense is giving the offense. But it's great to have those options. And that's what they didn't have with DeMarcus Cousins. So just wanted to give Justin Patton his shout out. Now, I do still have a few more thoughts and notes from this game because I haven't talked about the man of the hour at all yet. Uh, Sir James Edward Harden. And we're going to talk about that in just one moment after a quick message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Look, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, which doesn't exactly seem fair, right? RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, RockAuto.com is a family business, and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com. Auto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You know, check out their website, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and be sure this is the important part. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, talking about the Rockets-Nets game. And yes, it is time. We are going to talk about James Harden. It was tough watching him play basketball against the Houston Rockets. I ain't going to front. I ain't going to cap. Like, I'm like John Wall, right, talking about the barbershop incident. I, I just... It was it was hard, like seeing him play against a team that he was the face of this franchise for the better part of eight years. And I joked before the game that I was going to have like whiplash watching James Harden play against the Rockets and hearing Matt Thomas over the the public address system, you know, say James Harden's name in that un- unenthusiastic monotone voice that you'll hear him say for visiting players, you know, James Harden. Like that, like that, I said that was going to probably break me. Um, it was very, I, w- I was very appreciative to see that during the uh, intro warm-ups uh, that Matt Thomas, when introducing James Harden, gave him his usual introduction, you know, 6'5 from Arizona State, the beard, James Harden. Like that was awesome um, and, and a good way to kind of, pay homage to his time in Houston. Um, And then not only that, he got his tribute video. And I guess the biggest piece of news is that leading into the game Tuesday afternoon, we found out that the Rockets do plan to retire James Harden's number 13 jersey. And conceivably, before until they retire that jersey, I would assume nobody else is going to be allowed to wear number 13 for the Rockets, uh, which makes sense because, hey, at the end of the day, he is the second greatest player in franchise history, bar none. Like there's, there's no other argument. I'm sorry, you can't make the argument for Moses. I'm not letting. I'm not gonna let anybody make the argument for Moses. Moses can be number three, sure. Hakeem is clear number one. Harden is number two. And seeing him back in Houston, 
playing his brand of basketball, the brand of basketball that has not changed, I will point out, shout out Alan Hahn and every other idiot who thinks that James Harden suddenly changed his game overnight after becoming a Brooklyn Net. He hasn't changed one bit. He said so himself, going so far as to say that he hasn't changed his style, his leadership at all. He's just getting credit for it now because he's in Brooklyn. That's got to be frustrating for Harden too, to be you know that self-aware to know, hey, I was doing all of this for eight years in Houston, and y'all were dogging me for it, and now I'm in Brooklyn, and it, things are going great, and I'm in a big market, and you guys, you know, I'm a national media darling now, but hey, ain't shit changed. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so th- that's, gotta, that's frustrating for me. I'm sure it's frustrating for you. I'm sure it's frustrating for Harden. I'm sure it's frustrating for the Rockets organization, but it is what it is. And Harden came out and had a stereotypical Harden performance. 29 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists, 3 steals, a block, 8 turnovers. So yeah, it fits the Harden motif. <laughs> I, gotta get my, I gotta get my digs in where I can, right? Um, 10 of 15 shooting, 4 of 8 from behind the 3-point line, 5 of 7 at the free throw line. Ridiculously efficient evening, plus, 20, or sorry, plus 17 on the night. And he was calm, cool, and collected through the majority of the game. And at no point did it really feel like he was hunting to uh, to personally best his previous record against the Rockets. I kind of thought he might go out of his way to you know score a bunch against this team, but he played his game. He let the game come to him. Um, and it was one of those where he just he has the the weapons on his team now. He has the personnel where the Rockets were trying to hit him with those double teams, the same double teams that bewildered the Rockets for the entirety of last season. And it didn't matter because he's got guys like Kyrie Irving and Joe Harris to dish the ball to. He's got uh, uh, Bruce Brown, who is playing at a ridiculous level right now as a role player. Um, Nick Claxton, who I didn't even know who Nick, Nick Claxton was until this game, you know, dropped 16 points and eight rebounds on the Rockets and, and caught a, caught a few very nice passes from James Harden himself. Just, he's got the right weapons around him and arguably the most talented team. And I don't say, I, again, it, it's hard for me to say, I say arguably because I'm still obviously very attached to that 2017, 2018 team, but with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant as his running mates, I mean, this is the most talented team James Harden has ever been been a part of. And he has a legit shot now this year to go win the title. Um, and based on how human the Lakers have looked this year, I think it's I think the title is the Nets to lose. And this is the part that really hurts, but since becoming a Brooklyn Net, I think there's a legit argument to be made that James Harden has been the best player in the NBA this season. And does that mean he should be in the running for the MVP award? Probably not. Because, unfortunately, you got to take into account the start of the season. He mailed it in as a Houston Rocket to start the season. He forced a trade, um, all of that. And, unfortunately, that can't be ignored when you're looking at the MVP race. But... Just of my own personal opinion, I'm sure there's plenty of Rockets fans, you might be listening to this, pumping your fist in the air, like, why is Jackson talking about James Harden? Why Why is he giving this guy the time of day, turned his back on the franchise, forced his way out? Because he gave the franchise eight great years, man. Like, and he just, he saw the writing on the wall, 
He gave his last-ditch Hail Mary effort with Russ. It didn't work out, and he forced his way out, and that that sucks. I get that. I'm right there with you. That definitely sucks. But I can't hold on to this, like, hatred of him. I hate how he did it. I hate how it ended, for sure. I don't hate him. I don't hate James Harden one bit. He gave the Houston Rockets eight incredible years of basketball, and not only that, he still calls Houston home. He's still going out of his way to help those in the community after Winterstorm Yuri, you know, sitting on phones trying to help people, trying to feed families, trying to fix pipes, trying to do whatever he can because Houston is still his home. And I will point out and remember that James Harden on his farewell Instagram post, right, said that he repays all his debts. And I know that there's a, a small sect of Rockets fans that are holding on to that, clinging to this hope that James Harden will come back and retire a Rocket after a short stint with the Brooklyn Nets. And I think it's a possibility. I'm not going to sit here and hope for it, and I hope that the Rockets don't sit there and plan for it. I hope that Rafael Stone isn't making moves with some under-the-table agreement with James Harden that after his two years with the Nets, he's going to come back to the organization. I hope that's not what's going on. But if he chooses to come back, Houston should welcome him back with wide open arms. That's my opinion. And to see him, again, to see him play against the Rockets, it was uh, a very, very strange sight and will take a lot more getting used to Thankfully, we only have to see it a couple times a season, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it was it was an odd one, but it was kind of cool to see him play again, because I've only watched a couple Nets games. Um, I just, I haven't been able to bring myself to do it on a routine basis. I'm sure some of you have. I'm sure you're probably listening to this, and you know, there's people that have made watching Nets games part of their daily routine, uh, and they're now, they're like, you know, Rockets are your team 1A, and then Nets are team 1B because of James Harden, and I respect you for it. If you're following him, if you're following his career and you're pulling for him to win a ring, go for it. I'm not actively cheering for him to win a ring, um, but I'll be happy if he wins one. And that's kind of where my head is at. And that's where my head is at as far as seeing him back in this game uh, against the Houston Rockets. So I think that's a pro- probably a good spot to put a pin in my thoughts on James Harden, which means we get to get to our Tankathon segment where we get to do simulations because the Rockets just lost number 13 in a row to the bearded one himself. So thanks, James, for uh, your contributions to the Cade Cunningham relief effort for the Houston Rockets. So let's go ahead and run these numbers. Tankathon, what do you have for us today? Today, Jackson, we have three simulations. Come, try your hand at the Wheel of Fate. See if Kate Cunningham will be yours. All right, here goes nothing. Let's run these numbers. Oh, unfortunate. Houston falls to number five. Pain. No pick kept just outside of the top four. All right, let's run it back. Let's do it again. Here we go. Houston stands pat right at number three. Congratulations. Excellent. Amazing. We are one for one on our Sims. Here we go, Tankathon. Let's go for Sim number three. Oh. Fate is not on your side today. The Rockets fall 
to number six overall. So we are one for two on our Tankathon Sims today in today's episode. And for that, I am sorry. I feel as if I have failed you, the tanksters, in procuring the Rockets a top four pick. But that is going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to tune back in for our Friday episode with Anthony Duckett of Space City Scoop as we break down some uh, hypothetical trade scenarios for the Rockets, where we'd like to see certain players go, the different packages, the different returns we would like to see. But as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.